You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays and Major League Baseball talk directly into your headspace. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews from JaysFromTheCouch.com. Back again for another week. It's been a little bit. I know times have been lean, but we have Blue Jay stuff to talk about today and some other series of games that's going to be starting tomorrow. So I figure we should get in on that. So yeah, we're going to have your World Series preview coming up later in the show. And we get to bask in the glory that I predicted it correctly for the first time in a few years. But still, I'm going to take this and run with it. So feel free to come back to me for all your prognosticating needs from now on. We'll discuss what is probably going to happen there later on. We're also going to talk about a article on Major League Baseball trade rumors. Dot com that came out uh, yesterday uh, regarding a potential Justin Smoke trade. So, yeah, we're at that point. We can start talking about, you know, hot stove action. I know the World Series hasn't ended yet, but, hey, Blue Jays aren't involved, so let's get some Blue Jays in there. And we're actually going to start with a look at the Blue Jays offseason, courtesy one of my fellow writers at Jays from the Couch, someone who fans of the podcast will be familiar with because they've been on here a few times there they've rebranded lately but Roy Widrig came out yesterday uh two days ago sorry with a a reasonable roadmap for the Blue Jays offseason unlike other reasonable roadmaps that were published in similar sporting publications in the past week this one, you know, doesn't talk about trading Kendris Morales or Russell Martin because neither of those things are going to happen. Nor does it talk about trading a Ledmus Diaz because that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But if you read what Roy wrote on jaysfromthecouch.com, you'll see that in his mind, the 2019 season is not going to bring a lot of new faces to the organization, but in his mind, it should rely more on doing what the Blue Jays were doing in the last two months of 2018, and that is getting the kids playing time. Now, there's already one kid who's going to be guaranteed playing time come heck or high water, because if you leave Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the minor leagues for more than two weeks, that is not going to fly for anyone. And you will get a, the Blue Jays will get a lawsuit if they do that. But no, let's uh what Roy was getting at for the most part is essentially the Blue Jays trying to clear some space, which they can do by getting rid of Jan Hervis Alarte and Dalton Pompey and potentially Justin Smoke. We're going to talk about that in the second segment, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Roy's not on board with cutting Jake Petrica, 
which I, I can see the argument getting a, a reliever you can throw out there for 60 games for under 2 million is pretty good. But I just I don't like the inconsistency I see in Petrico. When he's on, he's brilliant, but he is not on near often enough. So he needs to fix that. Roy also talks about not getting involved in the free agent market when it comes to starting pitching. Because a lot of targets that are out there are either going to be too expensive and the Blue Jays aren't going to have a shot at them anyway. Hello, Patrick Corbin. Or guys who have bounced around a lot and are just looking for one-year deals. Guys like Wade Miley, Lance Lynn, Edwin Jackson, Clay Buckholes, Gio Gonzalez, Trevor Cahill. You know, a lot of these guys who have bounced around like that. And yeah, they're all better than Sam Gavilio, but... It's not going to help the Blue Jays progress to have another Jaime Garcia out there taking up innings when you have players who could use those innings to continue to learn and get better when the Blue Jays are actually expecting to contend. And again, that was the main crux of Roy's article was to get the kids more playing time. Let Lourdes Gurriel have a full season. Let Danny Jansen have a full season. Find a way to get Rowdy Telez up here. Figure out who you're moving forward with in the outfield. Is Anthony Alford going to be a part of your future? Is Dwight Smith Jr. taking the reins there? Are you going to try and move Kevin Biggio into the outfield? There are a lot of questions for the Blue Jays as they build up towards 2020-2021 when they're expected to contend again. But you, you have a full slate of games next year to start answering those questions and figure out where... You want to put people, and Roy was very clear about this, that the Blue Jays should not be looking to mortgage their future for a potential run at a wild card game for that you might not even host. He pointed to the Twins last year, who really regressed hard this season and obviously moved on from Paul Molitor. You can say the same about Oakland this year. They paid a lot in prospect capita to get guys like Mike Fires and Sean Kelly and Familia, that domestic abuser. They paid a lot to get those guys, and they got that game, but they could not do anything against the Yankees. So it, it's not tanking, but taking the year to figure out what the Blue Jays have in prospects is going to be very important to get to where they can contend the year after. And I agree with Roy on that. And I don't see a lot of spending from the front office this free agency. So, I mean, they they will take Josh Donaldson's money and reinvest it, likely, in the team. Like paying some of these arbitration prices for a Ken Giles, for Randall Grichuk, for Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez. And they'll continue to progress there. And that's when they'll start making their decision on some of these kind of mid-level veterans, your Kevin Pillar's. Uh, your Strowmans, your Sanchez's, they'll start making decisions on them and start to look at potentially moving out players who they don't feel are going to contribute to the future. And yeah, it's going to be rough, but we're Blue Jays fans. We've, we've seen rough years. We can handle it. I know 2015, 2016 was fun, but you know, you can handle the rough years to get back to those in a much quicker fashion than it was for the people waiting after 92 and 93. So we are going to talk about a potential move that the Blue Jays can make in regards to Justin Smoke 
and trying to free up some space for some of those kids like Rowdy Telez, like Teoscar Hernandez in the DH slot. We're going to talk about that right after this. Okay, so an article got posted late last night on MLBTradeRumors.com by Mark Polishuk, and it looked for a team to look for a trade in acquiring Justin Smoke. In Polishuk's eyes, Justin Smoke is the most desirable, uh, affordable first baseman in the offseason. And I have to agree with him because Smoke's only going to cost $8 million and he gives you stellar defense and a switch hitting bat that can still hit 25 home runs. So a lot of teams would like that. But also a lot of teams have first basemen that are kind of blocking the way and, and don't really alleviate the problem. They, they'd be creating a similar problem to what the Blue Jays have. They have too many first basemen DH types. And... As Roy said in the first segment, Kendris Morales isn't going anywhere. So Justin Smoke is more likely to move, which sucks because that also means we lose Kristen Smoke's Twitter account in the process. But, you know, Blue Jays got to do what the Blue Jays got to do. And I'm, I'm sure the Smokes would love to be able to play for a contender. So essentially, Polishuk broke it down into 10 teams that could realistically acquire Justin Smoke, and then five teams that are most likely to acquire them. We'll run through the other five right quick because even Polishuk admits they're they're not very likely to do so. He has the Angels, who have Albert Pujols already there, but they might just try and and relegate Pujols, in Polishuk's words, to a bench role and just run Smoke out there to try and try and win with defense, essentially the way they have Simmons out there playing shortstop. Uh, the Pirates, Pittsburgh has Josh Bell, but Josh Bell wasn't very good last year. Pittsburgh seems to think they're close, the way they got Chris Archer at this year's trade deadline, so they may look at making a move to try and improve that first base slot. But again, they might have realized, hey, what were we doing last year? Yeah, we got Chris Archer, but yeah. Um Mark has the Diamondbacks. If they trade Paul Goldschmidt in the offseason, they could then bring in Justin Smoke. I I don't think Arizona would do that. In in a market like Arizona, where you're struggling to stand out as it is, Paul Goldschmidt's arguably your only superstar in the desert. And moving him would be like moving Joey Votto. What is left for, for Arizona to trot out and, and see who's in. Look, we have an MVP. Justin Smoke's not going to move the needle in that way, as much as I love Justin Smoke. It's not going to happen. And then the Yankees and Red Sox are on there, but don't do that. Don't, no. I, 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 no. No, no, no. No. I, it's hard enough to watch Jay Happ and Steve Pierce pitching in those, and playing in those uniforms. Not Smokey. Smokey deserves better than that. But they're long shots, so they're really off the radar. Polishuk has narrowed it down to five teams, and one of them is also in the division in the Tampa Bay Rays. CJ Crone it was, was not good. So Tampa Bay's been been rumored to be looking for more bats that can deliver some power in the middle of the lineup. It was a speed team last year, but they want more power. 
I I said Kendris Morales could potentially go to Tampa Bay, but you know it, that any trade for Kendris Morales is a long shot. So Smoke might be more palatable to the Rays. They have a lot of pitching prospects that they can part with, but I'm not sure that really shows what Tampa Bay wants to do. Getting better at first base. I think Tampa wants to look more into the outfield to try and find bats that can go there. Uh, Minnesota could be interested if Joe Maurer retires, but again, this is a team that spent a lot to get back into the playoffs last season and then regressed really hard. So after taking shots at guys like Logan Morrison, it's, I, I'm not sure Minnesota really wants to do that either to try and, and get back into central contention because the White the White Sox should be coming up once they get Aloy Jimenez going. So Minnesota's window might have closed there. A couple of AL West teams are rumored. Houston, which, okay. Um, Polishuk's reasoning being Evan Gaddis and Marwin Gonzalez are free agents. You could start moving Yuli Gurriel around. I'm not sure how much... Houston would want to do that, relying on a first base guy as a utility man. And Polishek's also noted that AJ Reed has has seen action for Houston, and they could just go with him the same way they've they've gone with like Derek Fisher in the past season, or or Kyle Tucker. Just bring up these prospects and let them learn from a culture that does have a World Series ring. So I don't see the Astros doing it. Seattle is the other AOS team. Nelson Cruz is a free agent this year. Ryan Healy couldn't really hit consistently. So Polishek sees Seattle being an interesting fit. But I'm pretty sure Justin Smoke doesn't want to go back to Seattle because he's I believe he's talked about it in previous interviews how he just did not feel comfortable in Seattle or Texas. And when he came to Toronto, that's when he, he found comfort. That's when he started to hit as well as he has. So I think I think Smoke would actually block that trade. So I'm, I don't see that one. So what we come to in an agreement is, is a team that I actually wrote about trading Justin Smoke to a couple years ago after the Blue Jays had him. And, and really it's, it's actually remarkable the kind of blast from the future. I get this back to the future kind of post when, when you think about it, because the team that I think Polishek hits on the best for the best fit is the Rockies who Toronto already dealt with this past season when they traded Sung Juan O to the team and when I wrote about them last year, I I wrote about them this this coming after Colorado kind of made moves to bolster its bullpen, and this was a year after they acquired Jake McGee from Tampa Bay, and I'm like this this would make sense as a swap. You get Smoke, a guy who's kind of roadblocked a little bit with the Blue Jays. You move him to Colorado. You bring back a lefty arm to replace Aaron Loop. That yeah, we were still looking for Aaron Loop replacements at that time. So so that actually makes a lot of sense. And Polishuk backs it up with some stats. Colorado first basemen were sub average last year. They got less from their first baseman last year 
than any other team except for Baltimore. And Baltimore employed Chris Davis there. So that tells you everything you need to know about how bad the production was. So if Colorado gets a guy like Smoke to come in to really steady that position, they can move Ian Desmond back to the outfield. And you you put Smoke in there as a switch hitting bat. He offers good protection for Nolan Arenado, for Trevor Story, for Charlie Blackman, gives you something in that middle of the lineup. Colorado's actually the best fit for Justin Smoke. And whether or not the Blue Jays do end up moving on from him, because, again, Smoke loves Toronto, great clubhouse presence. You, you kind of want Rowdy Tellez to learn from him as opposed to Kendris Morales when it comes to playing first base. But... Looking at what Colorado has to offer, they, the Blue Jays have done some scouting in their system. They already got Forrest Wall, Brian Baker, and Chad Spanbarger in the Sung Hwan Oh deal. But if you make that move and, and get some more pitching help from the Rockies, just just kind of looking through right quick at their roster just to see... Because I'm not sure if the Blue Jays would be going for more Major League Ready talent as they try to rebuild. Or if they are looking for something a little further down the road. Would they be interested in taking a Ryan McMahon back to, to see if they can work with him and find a position for him? Or does that just create more issues with this roster? Are Do the Rockies have the arms to offer the kind of pitching that maybe the Blue Jays would be looking for to move such a valuable player in Justin Smoke? There there are some younger arms that kind of got cups of coffee. Uh, Yancy Almonte was very good in relief for the Rockies last year. 24-year-old um, uh, right-hander. Who's really come up quickly and 184 ERA last year, 1.29 whip, which, you know, again, in Colorado, that's pretty good. I'm not sure how quickly the Rockies would want to move on from him, but if you can get a guy like that who really adds to the bullpen battle and 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 saves you from having to rely on the Jake Petricas of the world on having to consistently churn out relievers and pick up guys like Oliver Drake and pressing Gilmet just to kind of kind of solidify that. Now, with all the problems Colorado's had with its bullpen, like Jake the aforementioned Jake McGee, the 6.49 ERA, plays great in the lotto, does not play great in MLB. Brian Shaw had a 5.93 ERA, Wake Davis their big signing, 4.13. So it's not clear how willing Colorado would be to deal from that perspective. And I don't think you're going to get a guy like Antonio Senzatella. Maybe in a one-for-one deal. Maybe that's the new Marco Estrada deal, getting Antonio Senzatella for Justin Smoke. I think Blue Jays fans would be all right with that. Senzatella has had MLB experience and is still young. turns 24 in January. Was, he's been kind of shuttled back and forth for the Rockies. With the Blue Jays, he would be in the rotation. So maybe that's more attractive for him as the Rockies try and pare down a little bit. They they do have 
starting pitching prospects. They still have Jeff Hoffman, although Hoffman has not looked good in his time in Colorado. Maybe he comes back to the Blue Jays. Who knows? Maybe maybe Shapiro's like, yeah, we can get one of our prospects back. There there are some options for the Blue Jays when it comes to dealing with Colorado if they want to try and improve themselves and get Justin Smoke into a position where he can go back to the playoffs. So I do think Colorado is the best fit in the quest for both teams to return to the playoffs and eventually to the World Series, which we will talk about the World Series and give our official Locked on Jays prediction for who's going to win the World Series right after this. All right, we're going to do this relatively quick since talking about trading Justin Smoke got me all hot and bothered. <laughs> oh, that, that Yancy Almonte talk. Um, as predicted, Boston versus Los Angeles is the World Series matchup. It did not come easy for either team having to endure Craig Kimbrell throwing like BJ Ryan and the Dodgers just unable to quell that plucky Milwaukee pitching staff until the very end. But both teams are now here. And it looks like a mismatch on paper. Just you have Boston, most wins in MLB this season, 108. Just a very daunting lineup to try and face for for any team, the way they just come at you one through nine. Their, their number nine hitter was the MVP of the of the ALCS Jackie Bradley Jr. So what can you really do when there's when there's no easy out in that lineup? Again, Blue Jays fans know this very well having to deal with Boston throughout the season. There was there was no way you could get through that lineup completely unscathed outside of maybe the catching position, which that's par for the course with any team nowadays. And and we've seen Alex Cora be very liberal in his use of the pinch hitting slot with his catchers. He's gotten Mitch Moreland in there. He's gotten Brock Holt in there to to mitigate the potential problems with having a Sandy Leone or Christian Vasquez up in a tight spot. So Boston's lineup is going to beat teams many different ways. So Los Angeles has to be able to try and counter that. And the pitching staff has looked good. Clayton Kershaw is putting those playoff questions to rest. Walker Bueller had a great start in game seven against the Dodgers. It would likely be Hyunjin Ryu, who would be the third starter. And then you, you don't really know who Los Angeles would turn to to start game one. You would expect Kershaw. Kershaw ended up closing game seven. So it's not like he put a lot of strain on himself doing that. So they could quickly turn around with Kershaw. They could go Ryu Bueller after that. And then Rich Hill seems to be the fourth starter. They've, they've shifted Kenta Maeda. They've shifted Alex Wood. Uh, Ross Stripling all into the bullpen. So there's a lot of length for the Dodgers. They can outlast a lot of the Boston pitching staff, which has been the problem for Boston. Yeah, Chris Sale is likely going to start game one now that he's fully recovered from his belly button piercing issue, which I I did not know that about Chris Sale. I mean, that, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why the, Chicago White Sox jerseys were so uncomfortable, just kept rubbing against that piercing of his. But no, 
we'll talk after that, Chris. But no, Chris Sale will likely go game one. Then David Price, newly found playoff savior David Price, will likely go game two. Or they, they could do Rick Porcello just to kind of shift the platoon thing, similar to how Milwaukee did. Dave Roberts plays a lot of platoon players, getting guys like Max Muncie and Cody Bellinger and Austin Barnes out of the lineup. So you you could easily do that to prevent, prevent Dodgers batters from getting into a rhythm. So that would mean Rick Porcello would go. Uh, potentially Nathan Eovaldi, who's pitched very well in the playoffs for Boston. They can match up with them with starters. The problem is the bullpen, because the bullpen is not good. Brandon Workman has has been hit. Matt Barnes, Heath Hembry, Joe Kelly have all given up their own share of runs. Craig Kimbrell's looked bad in the postseason. He looked like Ken Giles last year, which Houston beat Los Angeles last year. So maybe that's a good thing. But you wonder how late in the game Boston will be able to deal with those Dodger bats who seem to keep coming up with those clutch hits when needed. How will they deal with a Yasiel Puig coming up there looking for a home run? How will they deal with a Cody Bellinger off the bench? How will they deal with Manny Machado, who's, you know, seems content to just tick everybody off in the playoffs in his quest for a World Series? But. Yeah, you wonder how they're going to deal with that. I actually think that's going to be the difference. I think the Dodgers' bullpen is better than the Red Sox bullpen. I have more faith in Kenley Jansen, more more faith in Scott Alexander, Pedro Baez, all, all those guys. I think the Dodgers win this one in seven games. And I think they end that lengthy title drought for the Dodgers. I I said that at the start of the postseason, not going back on it now, given what I've seen. I think they get enough from Kershaw. I think they get enough from Bueller, Ryu, and Hill. If you get it, great. But I think the Dodgers pitching is going to be key, and I think that's why they have the advantage and will beat the Boston Red Sox and claim the World Series for Los Angeles. And yeah. So that's my prediction. If you agree with me, if you disagree with me, if you just want to say things at me for no apparent reason, I'm down to talk. So you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. For all your baseball discussion needs, follow the podcast at Locked on Jays. And, you know, subscribe to the fine work at jaysfromthecouch.com. They offer the best takes on the Blue Jays you will find on the internet. And I say that without hyperbole and not just because I write there. So, yeah, check that out and enjoy the World Series. We'll be talking again later this week. We will talk about the Blue Jays MVP at some point. I've been holding on to everyone's picks for that. So we'll probably go through that later on, either this week or near the end of the World Series. We'll get it out soon. So for everyone here at Locked On Jays and the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.